Okay, I've been teasing it all day because it's pretty cool to be able to catch up on the 3rd of January with one of the founding fathers of SENZ, the good pal, the former skip, the current boss, Baz McCullum, who will be, you'll be absolutely shocked to, to know is live from the racetrack right now at Matamata, enjoying his time off. Afternoon, Baz. So good of you to take the call, brother. Uh, afternoon, Louis. Good to talk to you, brother. And from a racetrack, you've been doing a bit of racing um, back in the country in Naba, a part of a Group 1 winner. That must have been pretty exciting. Yeah, what a day that was, eh? We drove up to Pukakaui and we were with a few of the fellow owners and obviously our neighbour, Richie, um, you know, he owns the majority of the horse and we breed the horse and he's uh, he's sort of part of his family and to be able to, uh, to be there to celebrate um, what well, was a pretty impressive win with... Uh, the Fibrillate was, was unreal. My first Group 1 win as well, or our first Group 1 win, shall I say, for Liz and I. So, yeah, absolutely stoked. And, you know, it's just been waiting on a bit of luck, haven't we, Louis? <laughs> I was trying to explain it to people without making it sound like you'd had absolutely no luck. I was trying to explain it when we were on air that I, I thought this was your first Group 1 win and if there was anybody in New Zealand that deserved it, because you have described yourself as a victim before, it was it was you, mate. <laughs> absolute victim and I'll continue to be so as well which uh, which um, I'm okay with that you know like, when you're in the racing game you got to be you got to be in it for the long haul don't you what do they say it's, you got to make haste slowly in the racing game <laughs> so it was nice it was nice to be able to get uh, to obviously knock that one off and, and pick up the group one he's got to be a big chance again in the Kirby Dyke as well uh, I actually had a group one winner in the paces way back in the day the horse with Kyle Mills uh, the horse called um, Cyclone Prince, but nothing in the, in the thoroughbreds before, so that's really my game. So it was nice to be able to get a hold of one. And, and with your best buds as well, and Lance and Richie and, and the whole McIntyre crew, it's, it's pretty pretty cool stuff, mate. And then I actually saw yesterday Rabada popping up, scrapping out the finish, just didn't quite get the last 50 metres, but good to see Rabada back in some form. Oh, I thought that was a cracking run as well. Richie reckons he might, the penny might have dropped for him, so... Let's see. He, he showed some ability early, and then he's, he's a bit of a quirky old horse for about it. So he just overthinks things a little bit. Um, but that's right. We used to dealing with cricketers, so that's the same sort of thing. Um, <laughs> but he ran a he ran a nice third, and I think he'll step up to fourteen hundred metres next start, and he should be competitive. And then we got one in today as well. Here at uh, Matamata Pacino, who's a filly that um, Graham Richardson and I bought. Uh, Last year at the Cracker Sales, and we've got some great owners in, uh, in here as well. Hopefully she can uh, get the job done today. Yeah, that's really exciting, mate. Well, by, by now, when this is playing out, we would have known the result. So people would have either had a dollar on because I would have told them to do so a little bit earlier in the show. But, Baz, we're talking Rabada. Um, you're talking cricketers. I don't know if you knew this. You would have because you're a pretty switched-on guy with this sort of stuff. But yesterday was a decade ago since 45 All Out in South Africa, which, I mean, I couldn't believe it was only a decade ago. Um, for you, when you reflect on that, 10 years, does it feel like 10 years? Can you kind of count the days back? Too soon, Louis. Too soon bringing that up, mate. You know, we're just finally starting to get over that but and then you go and bring it up in a nice instance but, uh, no worries mate <laughs> nah uh, quite incredible isn't it See, time flies eh it just goes goes so fast that it feels like only yesterday I sort of finished playing and and even that that uh, particular day doesn't feel that long ago either so you know it wasn't a great day at the time but when you're looking back on it I'd probably say it was one of the most pivotal days for uh, for my career anyway um, and and probably for New Zealand cricket too, because from that moment we were able to 
um, go on a, on a different sort of journey and and, and realise that uh, that what we were doing previously wasn't working and we needed to need to change things. And I think what we've seen since then has been pretty good. It, it really is like even just looking from the outside in on your life, it, it is, seems so hard to believe the amount that you've achieved and the amount that the Black Caps have achieved that was only 10 years ago. Without spilling the kind of trade secrets, can you just briefly take us in the room that night? And when you think back, do you still see that quite fondly that, that, or you remember it quite clearly, what was going on and where the, where the head was at? Because it was a bit of a baptism by fire which was already come after a... Well, it was, I guess, from the outside, a controversial time in New Zealand cricket. Yeah, well, we didn't stick around the dressing room too long, to be honest. We sort of got out of there. It was a pretty sombre place to be, so we got out of there and got back to the hotel, and I remember I was just sitting in my room, kind of trying to process it myself, um, and then I got a knock at the door, and it was uh, it was Mike Hesson and, and then Mike Sandal, and, and Bob Carter was one of the assistant coaches at the time as well, and they all bowled into my room, and decided we'd better have a quiet beer and work out where we're going from here. Um, which was uh, which was pretty pretty cool actually. Um, you know, we just got to a stage where we said what we're doing needs to change. Um, our the the perception of us as creators is, is not aligned to the perception that we had of ourselves and we were definitely not realistic. I think we sort of thought we were a bit better than what we were and and um, and we weren't aligned to to New Zealand either, so we needed to change things. And I think what we got to was was a, a place where it took time; it didn't happen straight away. But we finally got to a place where we just wanted to go out and, and represent New Zealand with the same sort of qualities and characteristics that our country is known for as well. So yeah, it was it was a, a really difficult such uh, time to go through. But uh, I would never, I wouldn't change it to be honest, mate. It was um, it sucked at the time, but. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was a life lesson and and a, and a professional lesson as well. Yeah, it's one of those sliding doors moments because if it didn't happen, you never know where everyone would have been now. And, and a year later, or just over a year later, you scored your triple ton. Then another year later, so two years after that, you guys are in a World Cup final. How much like cultural change had happened in two years? Because it's a long time, two years, but it's also not necessarily forever, you know. But how, how different was the group in those two years? Yeah, it changed it quite a bit. Uh, not too much of the, not too many of the personalities changed, to be honest. But probably just our attitudes now, um, and what our our motivations and goals for the time that we had as Black Caps changed. I think we realised that we're we're genu- genuinely just passing through as cricketers, rather than I think sometimes when you're in the in the fight and you're in your career, you get a little caught up and everything, and and you know the extra um, attention that you get and. And the accolades you receive, both you know, your accolades and also the criticisms you can receive, can sort of sting you a little bit because you don't quite understand it. But I think once we, you know, got to a stage where we were completely transparent and honest with one another in the group and where we sat and knew that we needed to make change, then we started to actually enjoy ourselves and we started to embrace the difficulties that were coming and and the size of the tasks that were in front of us as well. And we were prepared to to be a little ballsy, if I could say that, to. Um, <laughs> to try and change things and I think that really worked for us and we had such a good time I remember that 2015 World Cup it was literally the time of our lives um, we had a group of guys who were, who were representing their country in a home World Cup the entire around 5 million New Zealanders got them behind us and we dominated the sporting and front pages of newspapers and TV networks for uh, for the best part of 6 weeks and we went on a journey which None of us will ever forget, and we've made some friendships and relationships which will last forever. And you know, I think that 
kind of that was the reason why we were able to be successful on the cricket field because um, we had a healthy dose of that perspective that comes with um, you know just giving of yourself to an environment and um, you know it was something we'll always look back on really fondly and, and I've got some mates for life out of it mate. Yeah, nah, it's so. Oh, it's honestly just. It's very. It kind of gets the hairs standing up on your arms just hearing you reminisce about it, Baz. But like, when when you think about your relationship with cricket and the three different formats, because I guess we do remember a lot of your bludgeoning knocks in white ball cricket. Now, obviously, with England and the red ball stuff, and I remember when when that kind of all went down earlier. Well, last year, I guess it was. You said, "Well, no, I've always loved Test cricket, and I've always told you I've loved Test cricket. I just needed it to be played the right way." Did did that? formation of kind of lifting the, the Black Cups up in all different formats, did you find your relationship with either White Bull or Red Bull cricket take more interest? Did you find yourself leaning to either or was it just about the team? Um, well, it was always about the team, I guess. There was, yeah. There's different strengths in various formats and there's different challenges in each of those formats as well. And I think White Bull cricket certainly allowed me to to have a different life than what I had um, as a youngster. Um, it certainly opened up some opportunities and, you know, the, the development of these franchise leagues around the world and the money that's come into the game around white ball cricket, it, it had a significant impact on my, mine and my family's life. So forever grateful for that and, and went on some great journeys, as I alluded to, with the 2015 World Cup. Um, but for me, Test Creek was always the, the game. It's just it was so difficult. It is so difficult, you know. Like the the fact that you play for five days and there may not be a result at the end of it. There, there can be as a batter, you can be the form in, form of your life, but you might get a, a great ball first up, or you might play a reckless shot early, or get a bad decision, and then you got to sit around for three or four days and watch other people feast on on the flat conditions, and that can be challenging mentally as well. Or you can have a great performance and your team's still not able to get across the line after five days and that can leave you with a bit of an empty feeling too. It takes you to some really challenging places mentally for cricket as well, let alone the conditions and, and the countries that you travel and how difficult some of those countries are um, strategically as well uh, around your game and what it asks of you as a player. So for me, test cricket was always the absolute pinnacle and I'm really proud of the career that I had. You know, and I found ways to get out on the field even when I wasn't feeling 100% and I was injured um, because it meant so much to me and that was the form of the game that gave me the most amount of satisfaction. So I'm very lucky now doing what I'm doing as well, Louis, because I think England's a, a country that can really put some some oomph into the into the test game um, and and to, to have the opportunity to coach a, a team such as England and, you know, is a real honour and, and I guess that's on the back of what I was able to do as a player, but it's, um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool, mate. Um, I'm enjoy- I'm loving life. I've had a great career, and um, you know, not always didn't always perform throughout your career, but I, I had a career which I will look back on fondly and know that I had an incredible time. And now I'm, I've got a great job doing what I'm doing. So just waiting on a little bit of luck, and we'll get there. Oh, it's incredible, mate. A decade and a day ago, it actually is It's quite surreal to think about, isn't it? All right, I'll let you get back to the tote. How good's this time zone, though, New Zealand and Pakistan? Just, I know you're a bit of a night owl, so a couple of red wines at the end of the day, feet up on the couch. Gee, it's good viewing, eh? Yeah, it is good viewing. I thought the, the Kiwi boys weren't far away in that first test as well. So they're doing well. And it's, uh, it's good, isn't it? You've got Big Bash on one moment. You've got a test match uh, 
Black Cats are playing in Pakistan, then you got the Aussies who's taking on South Africans. There's races every day. Yeah. It really is. It's the greatest time of the year, isn't it? <laughs> 100%. You love the summer, mate. And now you get to do <laughs> summer all time, all year round, which is bloody awesome. Right, Baz, I'll let you, get, let you head off, mate. Thanks for chatting to us. All right, brother. Take care.